On this week's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if Zari 2.0 can sing the Legends of Tomorrow to safety, if Rogue's backstory can live up to that back, and if a stop-motion, toy-acted duel of the fates can be infinitely better than the Rise of Skywalker. All of that and more on an all-new Superhero Show Show. Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every single live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I will be the host of this episode, which I guess you me- could say means that like, I'm the heart of this episode. I mm. am Superhero Show Show. The mm. show is me. Okay. We is the show. Me and show sure. together. We are together show. I do have some other people here, though. Um, they're not really... I don't know if you could, can consider them the show, but they are show adjacent. So uh, here with me is always my friend Ryan. The brains, the guts, also okay. the heart. Also, you know, you I have heart. You can't also take heart. Well, I have some heart, brains, and guts, and dick, and balls, and butt. Well, now you just have the whole body, and we've left nothing else for our third person here. But I can have nose. Okay, I'm, I'm nose and toe webbing of the toe. show, <laughs> and nose webbing, and courage. I- and also the monster who thinks to put out toe webbing. That was the most disturbing. <laughs> Ryan thing said every other body part. What am I supposed to say? I don't know if he said elbow. You could have maybe took elbow before toe webbing. Right. You said toe put webbing. out toe webbing. Like, Penis, oh, nose, we, and nose webbing. We have company coming over. Did you put out the toe webbing? Oh, Did you put out the toe webbing? <laughs> For a little this, aperitif. Does uh, Spider-Man have web toes? He does if he shoots his fucking shit all over him. Hey, that much. We all miss aim when we're jerking off sometimes. <laughs> How this is? I have a timer going. This is a minute twenty into this, and this is how this is, we already got here. How is this possible? What we yeah, got to Spider Man's jizz? Yeah, I can't believe it took us this long. That's like we heard there's going to be an influx of new listeners. So we're like, well, we got to sprint to Spider Man's jizz, <laughs> hook them while we got them. I've never felt like a failure so quick into the show as I have right now. I've got some like, heart. Some heart. Um, back onto our very important thing of who we are on this show. Um, do you guys think like could we be a three person mech if we are all parts of your pop filter could we get yeah. into a mech well, I, what but part are we our, missing our well, mech should... is a giant trench coat and it's just us on top of each other's shoulders trying to sneak into movies who is at the very bottom who's holding all this weight first of all let's say we're all between like 5 10 and 6 2 so <laughs> all able to get into movies on our own so now <laughs> now we're a uh, 12 foot tall person uh, maybe taller than that, uh, who is probably going to arouse more suspicion <laughs> than just three people walking into but a movie theater. We're trying to, I mean, movies have gotten so expensive, so we're trying to pay $20 for all three of us instead of $60. I'm going to say that the most fleet of foot of us should be at the bottom, and that's a tie for last place for all three of us, yeah. my friends. Yeah, that's a bad time. Uh, if Mike actually has the web feet, I guess it would be him. I don't know if that's going to give him extra balance. Well, that's how we in, can walk up walls. In case we have to swim away. <laughs> All right, well, I guess that we can put our powers to use or evil, and we're only going to be put our powers to uh, getting into movies. I appreciate that. Um, But that will be our legacy. What are we talking about this week? Jupiter's legacy. That's right. That's coming up 
that's not our main event, though. That was last week. <laughs> I love this. Can I interrupt and say another fun thing we're talking about? Yes, please do. Is it DC's uh, I, Legacies of Tomorrow? It's DC's <laughs> Legacies of Tomorrow's. Uh, I had the pleasure of sitting down with one Lou Graziani, the uh, freaking mad genius behind Duel the Fates Toy Box Edition. He took Colin Trevorrow's leaked script and said, this is so much better than Rise of Skywalker. I have thousands of Star Wars figures. I'm going to spend my quarantine making this movie, and did. Uh, and he also has a comic book called Cyborg, so we talked about all of that. So uh, Cyborg, you go listen to the Patreon for the Cyborg stuff. Does, does his voice match his name? No. Uh, he is in the school of Mike of, I thought Italians were tougher. <laughs> so I'm allowed to say that because I'm also not a tough Italian. <laughs> Not a tough Italian. <laughs> but uh, the, the, uh, the, the, it does sound like he's on a tin can and a string for a little bit, but it gets better. So, And it was awesome. He's a cool dude. That Check sounds, it out. Yeah, I'm super excited for that. Um, but not, we won't be talking about our legacy, but we are legends. And that's what we'll be talking about is Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> Put that back together. There's a better one. You're welcome. That's coming up next. <laughs> on this week's episode of Legends of Tomorrow, it's futuristic singing competition time, a premise they somehow have not done yet. You see, Nox Krillian has decided to take over the Earth by killing its leader, who he thinks is DJ S'more Money, who is the host of a singing competition. You can probably figure out the rest. Taste buds, before we get to the competition, let's start here. Is Constantine and Zari 2.0's relationship entering the stratosphere of Ava and Sarah, Nate and Zari 1.0, and Nora and Ray? Well, let's give a little background information. Um, they do perform together. On this episode, and they have been fuck buddies for a while now, right? And yes. this is the episode where they use the term boyfriend and girlfriend. And I'm going to say maybe you should never use that term if you then want to perform a dope song, because you will take any of the coolness out of that song. Also, to see two very grown adults be- make such a big deal of it was a lot, like in front of their friends. Like I buy it from John. Because John is, I think they've done a pretty good job at creating John as like a cool man baby. Like he thinks he's very cool, but it's all he hides behind cigarette smoke how very sentimental he is. Uh, but yeah, Zari should have been like, shut up. You're my boyfriend. This is fine. Uh, uh, I think another part of people like Constantine who do exist in real life, not the magic part, but the piece of shit <laughs> douchebag part. Magic part. Like magic the stinky, uh, like I'm British. afraid of the word boyfriend. Like yeah. that's something that you are subscribing to because you think you fit into that trope it's not a thing that you actually believe once you're called a boyfriend you could stop being a boyfriend at any point the fact that you're like afraid of it is because you think become a husband yeah you think that you're some sort of tough guy who doesn't like is so into labels that you have to overreact everything uh i'm not saying that the show did it bad i think the show did it right i'm saying constantine is a little bitch what what i like is that I think he was going to cave first and be like, no, let's just be together. We're, we're being children. But then he overheard her tell her mom, uh, this is going to end soon. And then he spiraled. And he was like, oh, then no. I'm, gonna go, I'm not going to mature. Hold on, Mike. Are, do you honestly expect me to believe that much of a TV episode's drama revolves around one person overhearing another conversation? <laughs> it's also surprising that this is the first time Legends turned to that trope. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> but are you guys fans of them being together? Yeah, I, I like them together. If we get over the won't they, won't they, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I'm I'm for it. I, they're, they're attractive people, and I do not mind most episodes starting with them crawling around on each other's bodies. All right, I said it. Yeah, and then Beirut, like I don't understand the whole brother sister thing. I've never had one, yeah. uh, but Beirut 
and it, it's cool that you're not like overprotective of your sister. You let them be the sexual beings that they are. But still, I don't know if covering your eyes and running into the room that she's probably <laughs> having sex in is the best way to go about things. It is not the worst running into a room where people are having sex scene of all our shows this week, though. We'll talk about that later for the not main segment, Jupiter's Legacy. <laughs> Last week's one. Uh, yeah, the it took a while for me to get the dynamic of that was the brother, because the vibe is weird between the, the two. They want to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, look at them. They're very attractive folks. Barat is hoping Zari 2.0 gets stuck in a washing machine. and <laughs> Just like her elbow. Just her elbow, yeah. <laughs> Um, how did you feel about the performances? You guys are performance masters here. I want to get to Zari's performances. It is hard to create like the best of anything when you're not like and so, so in your Dude, fantasy world, you're Cass- saying these. Cassie, these are do you know what we call people. this before Mike goes on? Do you know what we call this? I don't. Call, I don't know. It's called Studio Sixty Syndrome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like these are the best sketches ever, and none of them are ever funny. That's uh-huh. not why people watch the show. That's not why people enjoyed Studio Sixty in the Sunset Strip. <laughs> Uh, you came for the drama. And Matt Perry and Bradley Woodford were great together. Oh, my right? God. Okay. I have, <laughs> This is on me. I am sorry. <laughs> Come back for my podcast. I'm starting next year. <laughs> Mike Gravano on the Sunset Strip. Uh, but no, like these were so... It looks like they were making fun of that. They're like, we're not even going to try to make any of these performances good. Do you know what it reminded me of? Do you guys remember a couple years ago the big controversy about... Lady Gaga uh, from A Star Is Born's performance on SNL about it was like a song called like My Butt, and uh-huh. the big controversy was is that supposed to be a good song, and if so, they failed, or is it supposed to be satirizing songs that would be on SNL? Um, the first couple of songs on this episode were really good in that way because of how terrible they were. The first, yeah, Zari's <laughs> one like turning into a butterfly. Yeah, and she was like, "Ashante, I speak French. I wear perfume because I speak French. Like that yeah, is." It was barely talk singing. It was yeah. just holding an extra <laughs> second in the middle of each word. Uh, and I, th- and, uh, they were funny. And then when Noxacrillion, what's his name? Lord Noxacrillion. Mm-hmm. Nox yeah. going to work here anymore. Uh, I thought his song was gorgeous. And we should get to that one later. It was the Matt Ryan and, or the Constantine and Zari one that was, that was dog shit, guys. Yeah. Yeah. So the Buzzcocks are dope. They're a dope band. I say you should mind the Buzzcocks because they're better than Sex Pistols. Uh, they performed the song Ever Fall in Love with Someone You Shouldn't Have Fallen in Love With. And you could tell the show wanted to make this actually a good performance because the whole episode started with that playing in the background, which kicked off their drama. Zari's like, oh, are you telling me something you know, like we shouldn't be together? Blah, 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 blah. So we've already heard the good version of the song. And then if you're like me, you listen to it throughout the whole week because you remembered that song and hadn't heard it in years. Uh, it was such a lackluster. They like, gutted any of the sound of the guitars. And they could not sing. They didn't have other people coming to dub it better. They depunkified. They took all fangs out of it. It was fucking stupid. Lester Bangs over here. <laughs> I was wondering because it like all of the performances felt off to me. So I wasn't sure if like there was going to be a shine for it on you guys or if you were going to be like very critical of it. But it's it was it was rough. Except for Knox Acrylion, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Except for the boy Knox, he knocked it out of the park. As as the host, the the pseudo. Uh, Howie Mandel, host of the show, said a love ballad, female empowerment diss track. Nobody has ever done that before because he was also <laughs> making fun of Zari. Because Zari 2.0 apparently is called the Dragon Queen. Mm-hmm. And Lord Knox Acrylian's song all t- talked about, I'm the real Dragon Queen. <laughs> <laughs> but Ryan, what exactly made his performance so good? Well, this Knox Acrylian has a literal Transformers voice. Mm-hmm. Um 
the guy who did his voice, I looked it up, was a Transformer in some of the movies. Uh, you can feel it right away. And he's just like, he's constantly like, take me to your leader. I'm going to kill your leader. I'm going to stab you. I'm going to stab everyone. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but then when it comes time to sing, I didn't even think like, oh, they just found a different voice. I just, I just my only thought was this robot alien leader is also <laughs> good at singing and kind of dancing as well. And... Uh, it was it was from the heart, and I just I love a warrior who doesn't just murder, but does what it takes to win, no matter what the yes. battle is. Mm-hmm. And I think is in the long tradition of your classic poet warrior, right? It's just for somebody to like. Let's be honest. This is like this is essentially karaoke, and for someone to bring this style of combat to karaoke is just it brings a tear to my eye. Yeah, combat and karaoke together—that's mad. What? And it does start off before Knox learns the rules. He does just stab. DJ schmores a lot through the chest with it, and then they go back slightly in time a day before so Zari can slip into the competition as well. There's only one thing on this episode that's more legends than Nox Acrylion being a wonderful singer, which is DJ Smoresmore is listening to Zari and uh, Constantine talk and like from around the corner. And then once Constantine walks away, he slides into the doorway with his giant s'more head. That's. <laughs> That one second yeah. right there is the most legend thing I've ever seen. But other than that, Nox Acrylion was close. Do you know who DJ Schmo Money is? He has appeared on uh, Superhero Show 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 before. Was it Legends of Tomorrow? No, he was Jimmy the Sketch Artist in iZombie. Who oh. also like would lead the improv troupe that was trying to make zombies and humans be cool together. Because I was like, I know this whiny, high-pitched voice, and it's not just because it sounds like my whiny, high-pitched voice. He actually sounds like he's trying to do a Ryan Reynolds thing, too, at the same time. Well, that's how DJ Schmo money would be. Hey there. <laughs> hey, friend. Well, Ryan Reynolds is just, like, slightly wispier, uh, Marky Mark. There you go. Yeah, hey that's there. it. It's a plant. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to, like... There was the one person who seemed off for me was Mick, and I know he's going through it right now. But his, like, I know he's always grumpy, but his wasn't seeming to like it was a weird grumpiness that seemed a little off. Another character you could smell this week, yeah, yeah. just the booze and lack of shower and how badly he wants out of this contract. I do think I'm starting to see <laughs> the behind the scenes knowledge of he's leaving soon, uh, and okay. I think you can see it in the edges of he is over this show. Which is so, what a weird reputation for this show to have of just kicking people off whenever they want. Uh, all shows sort of do it, but it, it's weird that this fun loving CW show that nobody watches is that's what it's known for now. But uh, yeah, he misses his daughter and he's, you know, uh, d- making rash decisions like hitting the explode button when he should not. He called the invasion. I do like, I, I think we're seeing, because Ava said, get yourself together, get the hell off my ship. I don't think he's going to get himself together. I think this is how he goes out. <laughs> he's just going to drink too much. And I do like that he's pissed they're not looking for Sarah. Like, that yeah. in his head, he's like, we just find the person. And he calls, he's like, if you were kidnapped, we'd have found you by now. And That's Ava's true. just like, Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a, uh, a ballsy thing to say. But I also think it could have been, a lot of it, the reason could have been just to have Ava be able to say, get your shit together or get off my ship. Right. Like, that's a big yes. moment for Ava as well. And then, since it is Ava's ship, that we have Sarah, who's on an alien planet. And uh, has she been on this alien planet, like, this whole time? Do we think yeah. we're getting her here for, like, eventually are we going to focus on an episode with her? Or is it always going to, like, just check her, in? And Her and Gary have been checking in. And so before, they, they landed on the planet last episode, and it was them versus poisonous Amelia Earhart. And now it's... Same planet, them versus a bunch of Ava clones. 
Yeah. Uh, so they're just kind of doing whatever they want over on that planet. The show's spiraling, which yeah. in, in some <laughs> aspects. Which, uh, I mean, they're basically just aliens with, like, chicken wings on their face. Yeah, <laughs> it's aliens with chicken wings on their face. Where it was, there was some moments, like, between Mick and that Sarah side plot, it did seem like it was spiraling. But then where it really hit Legends for me and I got me back was right at the end when um, Nox Acrillion, uh, <laughs> he ends up, like, becoming, uh, like, the servant to... Zari, because Zari wins. Yeah, Queen Z. Queen Z. And uh, then we find out it's a little alien in there. And uh, that just that alien coming out, like the amount of love for just showing that it is an alien in there was beautiful. Yeah. But it's, I mean, like a lot of shows will have a little alien inside a bigger body or whatever. But his walk out, the pompous <laughs> fucking yeah. smarm coming off this three inch alien was and thick. It was smarmy, but it was also like trying to connect with the legends and then. Mick just fucking stepped on it, and that tickled me to no end. Was that, that on was... purpose? I I don't know. He like you said, you could smell Mick through he, the screen. He so. walked in and just started talking, and didn't even give like a, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, just he just step ignored on. it. But it was like it, it, they knew they created this beautiful creature, almost to the level of Bebo, and that everybody would fall in love with it. <laughs> so like to have it smushed right at the end, I was like, fuck, the show got me right at the end. Uh, I have a question for you guys. Uh, Nate, who we all love, who is like really backgrounded this season, which is fine. Uh, two episodes in a show now, or two, uh, they've referenced Marvel. He fully uh-huh. said Sarah's doing Thor Ragnarok last year. What, what, why? Is Legends just being like, we're acknowledging there's another really great cinematic universe out there? <laughs> I guess. I mean, it is strange. Uh, wait, what did, are we talking about the Don't Be an Avenger via. That, so three weeks in a row, it was Don't Be an Avenger. Uh, last week they just said Black Panther. No, that was on Batwoman. I'm I'm confusing my CW shows. So yeah, don't be an Avenger. And this one, Nate said she's Thor Ragnarokking. I wonder if it speaks to because like the Arrowverse doesn't give a fuck, right? Like, it does, there's no Marvel TV for it to compete with. Uh, mm. It doesn't like it doesn't have that whole DCEU where you have to beat the MCU. I wonder if it just speaks to the fact that finally, after you know 15 years since Iron Man, that the MCU is just. Now, as commonplace as any other thing in pop it's culture, Back to the Future, or right? Whatever, or like Ghostbusters, or yeah, you could just reference it now, even if you're on a DC show. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, we're almost out of time. The last question I do want to ask you guys is: Do you think you could beat Zari 2.0 in a performance? Yes. Yes. <laughs> She's. I, I did. If she had stayed a cappella for the final performance, that would have been way better. But no, she didn't. She doesn't make good choices. Yes, we could have crushed her. I, I, if it was. Her versus me or her versus Mike, that might be one thing. But if it was her and Constantine versus me and Mike, uh, done oh. fucking deal. Oh, man. You're gonna, they're going to get blown away by taking back Sunday so fucking hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys, that is all the time we have to talk about Legends, though. Before we go, I promised Mike I'd give him this time to talk about a website. So, Mike, just go ahead, buddy. What What's your big idea? I just think it's 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 summer, finally. People are going to be out there mixing it up. How are you going to do it? So you got to like pick your Nick and it's how to make the best picnic possible. So you're there, you go there, you're like, I don't want to buy it yet. So you hear what kind of basket you're going to get, what kind of blanket you're going to get, what kind of food, what kind of ants, because there's going to be ants there. So might as well pick the ants that are going to show up. (laughs) And now if you're picking the ants, what are you doing about the ants that are already there? It seems like there's going to be too many ants. All of our ants will kill the natural ants that are there. Now, I, I got to ask, uh, I have a home where I eat clean food on clean surfaces all of the time. Mm-hmm, 
Uh, is there anything on the website that says maybe just eat in my home? Like continue to do that, or is there yeah. still reasons Have to the go same outside for no reason? You've had for the last eighteen months, Ryan. You know what? That's fine. That's Don't true. See the sun. I haven't had uh, food covered in dirt and ants for a long time. I better go change that experience Look. up and live life to the fullest. <laughs> Call me crazy, but I like cold fried chicken and sandy watermelon sometimes, all right? And if I want to eat that outside with my friends while hurting my lower back, I'm going to do it. Okay. And I'm going to do it properly at pickyournick.net. I didn't know sandy watermelon was going to be there. I haven't seen her in fucking years. <laughs> well, and that chick gets to crazy stuff. And cutting it stories. off right there. It is... It is obviously a controversial topic, uh, pick your nick. So I do think you need to make this a good website. And I don't know if you have the capabilities. So I'm going to pass you on to my Ouch. friends. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm just being, you could put on a kick-ass picnic. You're the creative. And now we need the Thank people you. out there making the website. So we're back in creative and website here. Uh, Cybersprout.net. They're going to handle this completely for you. They got premium hosting. Specifically built for WordPress, they're like gonna make it secure as hell. They got maintenance backup, speed optimization, secure as hell. hell. They're gonna work hand in hand with you. Your picnic vision, hand in hand with them. They're right on board with you. It's also gonna be easy to manage. They got custom templates, but you're not doing that. We're giving it to them. It's fully in their hands. Okay. But Cybersprout.net, your partner for the digital world, my friend. I just for Patreon listeners, I want to shout out that Picnic Vision is Grill Master Psychic and. Really good at finding the best places to be. I really want to make this. Uh, that's all the time we have, though. Coming up next, it's our pull list. All right, we are back, and it is time for our pull list where we talk about all the other shows we watched this week. First show starting it off is Superman and Lois. This week on Superman and Lois, Superman and Lois is back, and the boys are playing a big game against their old school in Metropolis. Meanwhile, Lana gets promoted in Edge's organization, much to Kyle's chagrin, and Lois teams up with Marcus, a.k.a. Luther, to figure out what exactly is going on. And Clark has to stop his father-in-law from having a kid killed. Taste buds, I ask you this. How much more clear can the show make it that General Lane is actually the big bad of the show? Uh, between General Lane and... What is it, Eric? Kevin? Kyle? 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 Evan, Kevin, Kevin, Kyle... Um, who I guess had one moment this week of, no, baby, you can, I support you. But it's still a moment of post shower. I'm sober for 10 minutes today. Of course, I'll support you. And then went and showered in beer. And, but yeah, these two are really overwritten. And the reason that they stand out on a CW show is because the rest of the characters aren't. Yeah. It, they, I don't think either of these characters would stand out on another CW show, but Superman Lois, the creative team really did elevate what they're trying to do here. And they didn't tell these two guys. It's hard for General Lane because, like, it's Lois's dad, but Superman, and like, I just I feel like that he's the lowest common denominator. He, I think Lois that would make Lois the lowest common denominator, but she's actually too great to be that. Yeah, he okay. he. If they dug more into him being Caleb Nickel from the OC, uh, the underrated and seminal early two thousands primetime soap opera from Fox. Uh, <laughs> That would be better. But in this episode, he truly is fighting with Superman because he wants to kill a kid. And Superman says, you shouldn't kill this child. That That's their big philosophical debate of the episode. Here's the good thing, though. there's Superman always gets a lot of complaints, uh, just in general as a character, because like we've heard them all, right? Has every power, way too strong, blah, blah, blah. And so in order to find the drama, which I think this show does. I really like oh, this yeah. episode. I really like this show. Uh, I'm, I'm back on after missing a couple episodes. Um you have to put Superman and Clark in these 
moral dilemmas and right. ethical dilemmas. And we, we have all the dad stuff, which we can get to later. But with the Lois's dad stuff, uh, we just need someone to be like, and then that puts Superman in these situations. We don't have time for the nuance that maybe a general, a well-written general lane might demand. So it's, I think it's fine. And where, where the drama comes from and what does work, even if general lane doesn't is Tyler Hochlin, Hochlin, Tyler H. Uh, one is like the best modern Superman we've gotten, but his bit of Phil Dumphiness, like he wants to stand up to his father-in-law, but even though he's morally right, he still hangs back a little because it's his father-in-law does make it more realistic, even though he's in a full cape and is flying yelling at his stepdad or father-in-law. Uh, it's that it's hit. He sells all of it. And I don't think it's because scared is not the right word, but uh, no. I don't think he's, it's because he's not confrontational enough around, his father, I think it's because of his wife. Like his yes. wife is fucking Lois Lane, and which almost demands more respect than like Clark Kent or Superman. Um, and she's just she's a force. And mm-hmm. if you're not getting along with her dad, you're gonna have to deal with that shit. Right. I don't want to be in a constant fight here. I don't make Thanksgiving weird. I want my boys to have a relationship with their psychotic grandfather for some Wait. reason. I think it's okay to step up and say I do not want no. my boys to have a relationship with that person. Yikers. He definitely is the kind of granddad who would call Jordan a pussy and then be like, why is he crying? I was laughing. And you find out he did that to Jordan when he was seven. Yeah. (laughs) Funny grandpa. I had two of those. (laughs) Two funny, (laughs) funny, funny grandpas. Uh, Can we get to Lois real quick? Yes, let's get to Lois, who is uh, investigating the mines fully. She's suspicious of Marcus, which is uh, Luther's alias. And rightly so, because she is like the most brilliant person in the world. Right. And I I just, I love the moment that we get here of Marcus Luther saying, this is going on. You got to trust me. And she's like, fuck you. Like in other shows, that would be six episodes, maybe yeah. even more, maybe even in the entire run of just being, oh man, I trusted him. He asked me to, so I had I just to. just met him. So. And, <laughs> but she, she just looks at him. She's like, no, dude, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Why would a reporter want to share the byline with me, and why does he have a space laser? Two of those sentences were said in this, <laughs> and she is right on both. Which also, do, he covers the why would you share a byline with me, and he's like, look, I do have these security outfits, but you're a lily white lady, and I'm a lone black dude. They will question me if I go in there alone. Right. I need you. I like uh, everything CW is doing with race these days. This was a crazy week, as far as that goes. We'll probably get to that at the end of the poll list, but... um. Uh, it also gives us the big moment at the end where uh, our married couple, our main focus, is talking about their day. And Lois is like, I almost got murdered today, but tell me about Jordan's game again. <laughs> and she's like, move, 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 move. <laughs> and Clark is like, obviously like, what the, f- what, what, what happened? But he also has to be like, yeah, we have to move on. We can't, yeah. we don't have time in our lives to discuss every time what? we almost get murdered. Every time one of us almost dies, we have to talk about it like it's a thing. <laughs> Got to talk about our kids. How how did you feel the like the brotherly interactions this time? So so Jordan, they he wins against his old Metropolis bullies. He he pulls it out. Jonathan gets to be the QB. Everything is going swell. But then they go drinking with their football buddies, and the Metropolis football gang knows exactly the alleyway yep. the crows would be drinking in. And uh, obviously, say it'd be a real shame if blah blah blah. Yeah. And Jonathan is like, I don't think my very emo, emotionally erratic, superpowered brother should punch this kid who tortured him since he was seven and sticks his hand out. 
and just you hear every bone shatter. How did all that deal with you? I mean, looking back on it now, you can kind of see it coming. That's the way that the character tropes work. That's the way that sports movies and shows work is, mm-hmm. of course, the person with the promise. Um, I don't... We'll, we'll move aside Jonathan's speed. You know, like maybe he has powers, but for him to catch that uh, punch halfway through, is that's pretty impressive. Um, but I, what I, I want to give Jonathan props for... Jordan is emo in like the jokey ways and in the very real ways. Like he has got issues with depression, anxiety, and all yeah. that stuff. And so often on these shows, like that is the number one priority. And in real life, that's the number one priority. Uh, but that's hard for teenagers. And Jonathan just straight up says, uh, "Yeah, probably never play football again. Thanks to you, you fucking piece of shit. My hand's broken, <laughs> you asshole, brother. <laughs> fucking a idiot." The, 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 I do think the way these kids swing between loving each other and supporting each other and hating each other is it's like the best brother duo that's on TV right now. Mm-hmm. And and Jonathan really like for being like a doofus jock from the first couple of episodes, I think he's grown into it. Well, where he he's happy for his brother. He hates his brother. Like all of it. He's doing it all. We on movie of the year, Mike, our other show, we have this award that we give out every year or every season for biggest shithead, which is different than biggest villain. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't think Luther would win biggest shithead, but Evan, Eric, Kevin, James, <laughs> what's his name? Kyle. Kyle. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that's your biggest shithead, right? That's yeah. your. Is Jordan up there, or do you? Oh, Jordan's a shithead. Yeah, but like, yeah. do you? Are you just? Are you? I hate when uh, Kyle's on screen. Are you right. there with Jordan, or are you like? I understand him. I get him. I am him. I don't. Th- th- there is. Uh, they need to dig into more because he does just come off whiny. I do think he needs to show a little more love the way Jonathan does to different. Like to his parents, sometimes it doesn't need to be all the time. But like the 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 line that I feel like they need to dig into in general, he says, "You got to grow up and be Superman." Who am I? I'm the weird kid with headaches. Uh-huh. Like digging into more, and I don't know if the writers could do it. I don't know if this actor can do it. But of I didn't want powers. I have powers. I don't want powers. But maybe I do want powers. But I didn't. But now they're not going to be what I thought they could. Like it's very complicated, and I do think the kid is struggling a little to capture all that. So it just comes off like, "I hate you, Superman, Dad." Yeah, and the other thing, too, is that it, because uh, maybe of the writing in a good way or a bad way, everything that comes out of his mouth is me, me, me. Like, it's unfair yeah. that I have to deal with this. And then even when he punches his brother's hand, uh, it's like, why did this happen to me? You know, right. like, it's always just me. I, I think the big question is, is it, is it, it, do people like this become heroes? Right. It can, can he grow? Or did they, even before he got powers, did they raise one of the twins right and one of the twins wrong? Like, it does feel like even before he knew his dad was Superman, he was mad that his parents were, and he does have all those issues we talked about, but he is like, they are attractive, successful reporters, and they should just be taking care of Prince Jordan all of the time. Mm -hmm. And Jonathan's like, I'm just going to go out and do stuff. Uh, (laughs) He's just kind of like a Labrador. Yeah, but which I, is all we want. It'd be cool if they had some, and like Smallville did this. Clark kind of became a villain at some points in Smallville, and if they kind of leaned into that, I, so I just want Lois and Clark at some point to say, "Is our kid a piece of shit?" Like, because <laughs> they're very smart, they're very intuitive, and there are times where he is just a piece of shit, but they never act like he is. I just think that in order to turn people into heroes, into good people, you have to address that early and. Like I think one of the things that sort of link a, a lot of these villains throughout history together, um, as opposed to heroes, is control. Like, do you have mm-hmm. self control? 
um, you know, can you like sort of be balanced and not just constantly go off? And there's no reason to think that Jordan will ever just stop doing whatever he right. wants to do in that moment. And and I do think Clark is trying again, loving this character, loving this actor. He opened up about his anger issues growing up, but also he's like, I still have them. And the fact that we saw them where they like, he had to stop himself from using his powers to even intimidate the army too much. Right. He's aware of like only, only in like red sun where Superman goes evil. Have we seen that? But to deal with this is good heroic Superman and still terrifies people that we, captured really well. We didn't get to the freak of the week, the, the kid tag who can run real fast, but I think yeah. that does speak to the, like how well the show is doing is that there's so much going on around whatever the case of the week is. Right. Yeah. I am. I'm bummed. I didn't watch this week. It sounds great. I got to catch up. Um, we're out of time. So do you have a moment of the week? I'll start with you, Mike. Yeah. Uh, Ryan said it earlier. It is, uh, it's the delivery. She's the best Lois Lane. I think that's ever been on screen and it is the, probably not the best time to tell you I almost got killed last night. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan, what about you? Um, Jordan's freaking out on the football field, just like a lot of pain and anger. And uh, Coach Kent comes over and sees what's going on and puts his hand down by his face and lets Jordan burn through his eyes all of his powers and rage into Clark's hand while nobody's looking so he can finish the game. And just like, what a cool way of combining I'm a dad and I'm a hero, superhero all at the mm-hmm. same time. Kid does not deserve this dad hero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just like the sacrifices that you have to make to to have a kid, but also the the writing. And I think that the, the way that the show handled it is superb for one main reason. It cuts to Clark's face and he is in pain, you know? And right. it's, it's for so many things, so many things that we, you know, that were impossible for us. It's very easy for Superman. Uh, but raising children and dealing with their baggage that is not not painful for superman and i think that's like uh an incredible mission statement for this show yeah uh it's a great show you should be watching it it's tuesdays on the cw our next show is fear the walking dead on this week's episode of fear the walking dead we are introduced to john dory senior who is the father of our lost love garrett dillahunt aka john dory jr (gasps) after june runs into the old man sharpshooter on her journey We find out John Sr. abandoned his family 40 years ago in order to lock up the leader of the Believers, Teddy, who the people of Morgantown are also now after. Taste Buds, I ask you, instead of casting a person to play John Sr., should they have just put Garrett Dillahunt in old man makeup? I thought you were going to say instead of John Sr., should it have been John Cena? And yes, he should be playing Dillahunt's dad. I always think of John Cena as Dillahunt's father, so yes. (laughs) But even, like, don't age him. He's still just as buff and (laughs) baby smooth. Also, his character's name is John Cena. Yeah, (laughs) and he does wear sweatpants. It's part of his look. Uh, Fear the Walking Dead is Sundays on AMC. Our next show is Black Lightning. On this week's episode of Black Lightning, Tobias takes control of the shadow board and plans to take out Jeff. Jeff. Not Jeff. (laughs) Meanwhile, Gamby, Nissa, Grace, and Caruso plan to take out the Nullifier and all the files of Monta Vista. Taste buds, I ask (laughs) He's emotional. <laughs> it's kind of, it too everybody. emotional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allergic to incredible writing. Taste buds ask you this. Given that this is the winding down of the final season, could Tobias Whale have actually killed Jefferson? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I think if it was another show, I'd be like, definitely not. We have like four more episodes left. But I think we might have seen Tobias actually kill Jefferson. Uh, except for the fact that we didn't see it. He just 
it, we see them start to fight. Tobias has given himself meta powers. Jeff still has none. Uh, and then Tobias FaceTimes Lightning and says, I killed your dad. See, he, here he's on the ground dead. Which okay. makes me think, then probably not. Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> when we had WandaVision bucks and we like bet on halfway through the show, we bet on like how it was going to end? Yeah. How many black lightning bucks would you actually put on Jefferson being dead? None. Z- okay. Zero black lightning. I, but I don't know how it could end because it is still all... It's not winding down. I guess that Grace keeps telling Nissa she wants to have a family, so I guess at some point they are going to go off. I do think they'll peel off and like do their own thing and not be so heroic all the time. But, guys, the show is awesome. The more I watch the more I'm like, I think I should restart it and watch everything I've missed because I'm <laughs> thoroughly enjoying every moment of it. Are you sort of ready after the last month or so to be our Sherpa next week when we, Cassie and I, like ramble through the final, final, final episode? If I have to. I mean, no, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I must. Uh, if you guys give me your Black Lightning dollars, then maybe I'll do it. I think, because I'm in a little bit of debt and <laughs> daddy needs his fix. Uh, yeah, I think any questions you have, I think I can answer. Uh which is also, I think, the mark of a good show is the first episode I watched coming back, I was confused, and now I'm not. I've right. just hung out yeah. long enough and understand what everybody's trying to do. They're planning a heist, and we didn't even get to see it. So much happened this episode that the Gambian and Co. are just full. None of them have powers, and they're fully planning on like putting C4 in a bunch of comms to blow up a building and wipe out the computers of this building at the same time. Gamby's Eleven is the least enticing thing you could say to make me watch an episode. Yeah. No, I know. Gamby still sucks, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's all the people around him are very strong women who I want to see blow some shit up. <laughs> Including Gamby. Including maybe Gamby gets stuck in there. Do Would you put money on Gamby blowing up or dying at the end of this? No, I think everybody's going to die but him. And then he's going to look at the camera and say, and my son was Dexter. Wink, James Remar. <laughs> what an ending. <laughs> that would be my moment of the week. But do you got one for this week? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, no surprise it's painkiller. Uh, Ishmael, who's been like this big bad assassin this whole time, who works for Tobias, like is in the middle of the road because Painkiller has kidnapped another one of Tobias's, the the racist lady I talked about last Wait, week. I- Ishmael works for Whale. Yeah, yeah. Good. Call him Ishmael, Moby Dick's <laughs> friend. His uh, name is Colin Ishmael. But anytime, and Ishmael is just a an assassin who zips his hoodie up to his nose and then has two swords, and everybody acts terrified. Cleo is the first time where he gets out of his cart and sees him, and he just goes. All right, and calmly leans in and grabs his sword, uh, and then their their sword to sword combat is awesome, and they they're, they're like switching swords. And Ishmael forgot that Khalil has poison, uh, and so when they were switching swords, he didn't realize that Khalil had poisoned his own sword handle, and so oh. that killed him when he thought he was going to win, and it was a dope twist. So little Princess Bride, yeah, you have the poison. No, I have the poison. Yeah, but with little Princess Bride. You forgot that I'm not left-handed. <laughs> All of it mixed together. Princess Bride. Does anybody want a peanut? Black Lightning. Anybody Black- want a peanut? Black Lightning is Mondays on the CW. Our next show is The Flash. On the 11th episode of Season 7 of The Flash, the Speed Force family, which Barry and Iris are parents to, is in shambles, and by in shambles I mean 80% dead after Nora and Dion team up to get back at Barry and murder the family. Joe is experiencing Whoa. a death of his career after he resigns from the CCPD because they are shady as hell. Taste buds, I ask you, which one of us in the pop filter in, in pop filter is more likely to murder the others? 
Uh, okay, so which person is more, most likely to murder everybody else? Everybody Greg. else. All, all the <laughs> oh, yeah. If we're the pop filter family, we'll say it. Because if, if I say one of your names, I'm afraid that'll make you do it. So he's not on the show. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to murder both of you, but Mike said my name. So I guess I have to. <laughs> I guess I have to, or else he might murder me. Which I think shows that but Greg yeah, is the only one who wouldn't. But Greg yeah. is, no, I think Greg is too calm. He's too mellow. It's hiding something. He's yeah, going to yeah. snap and kill us all. What is he hiding? Poison swords. Poison swords. <laughs> Always poison swords. Have you guys thought about how you would do it if you had to? Gun to your oh, head. Would it sure. be gun to their head? Uh, no, it'd be a boulder on top of every door in your house. So you open the door <laughs> instead of a bucket of water being hilarious, your head gets crushed. Uh, I've seen a lot of documentaries about running away from boulders, but and I'm pretty good at it at this point. <laughs> What about TNT? Can you outrun TNT? The channel? Yeah. yeah. Just turn it off. <laughs> Switch it to TBS, baby. Fuck Characters unwelcome. Click. All right. The Flash is on Tuesdays on The CW. Our next show is Jupiter's Legacy. On the on, s- on the second. <laughs> Mike, I think you should take this one. On the second and third episodes of Jupiter's Legacy, Utopian is struggling with the public's overwhelming support of Brandon breaking the no murder code, and also struggling to understand why Bagels won't fix his relationship with his daughter. The real drama for Utopian slash Sheldon happens when we head back to the 30s and see him suffering from visions of his dad telling him about a mysterious island and windmill that have magical powers. Apart from our boring good guys, we also get introduced to a group of villains who start off as a lovable group of fuck-ups until their leader gets pushed too far and starts to use his teleportation talking stick to teleport through people's hearts. Taste Buds ask you this, did this Christian-free, darker side of Jupiter's legacy make these episodes more entertaining? Uh, It's like, the answer is yes, but only because the bar was so low at the beginning. Like, in any other circumstances, I'd say no, but the bar was, like, buried in the ground. For, For sure, buried bar. Uh, I don't understand now why this whole show has not been about low-powered to no-powered groups of, like, white-collar crime. Like, very low shenanigans yeah. of the, dealing with all these crazy, like, I, I, this group that, like, these Quentin Tarantino rejects, mm-hmm. if we followed them all the time, I'd be into it. I, their main dude I'm in love with. He has cool hair no matter what the big man says to him. And his little <laughs> stick... Uh, is a dope, weird technological piece of power. And once he snaps and is like, wait, I don't want to be a low-level thug, uh, he uses it to a dangerous and scary effect. Yeah, it was their whole turn. There was the only time when they were on screen was the only time I cared about this at all. And it was because, like, they had the, like, fuck-up found family dynamic. And it's just them, like, you could tell they are not good at their job. But yeah. they're going to try. And, like, that is the best part. And the like that lead guy is like just charming as hell. Even when he's murdering people with a stick and telling it to go through people's hearts, like charming. Yeah, you got to be charming to say when somebody tries to steal your stick to say shark infested waters. Yeah. Only a charmer <laughs> says that. But yeah, all the rest of it. Like, if we can get a whole episode more, like this almost was a full episode focusing on them. So that one was almost a great episode. But mm-hmm. like, if we could just transfer over, like, if all of a sudden Jupiter's legacy is just their legacy. In. I I have a theory, and do, will this interest you in the show even more, Cassie? Is that remember the very first scene of the show is Brandon and Chloe were chasing their other friend around, and Chloe said she got him, and he said no, you didn't, and oh, yeah. she almost killed him when they were like five. Uh huh. I think this is him grown uh... up because when drunk Chloe sees him, she says, "I know you," mm-hmm. and that's the only sentence so far. But if if like so, you follow like that. I think that could be pretty cool. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's cool enough, though, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that is for sure what's going to happen. You did great at picking that up, but I don't know if it's got me. Uh, I want to know the the other part where we get to, like, they try to make 
Josh Jamel Utopian, aka what is his name? Like Sheldon. 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 God, it's such a bad name. But like it it was the thirties. Old Sheldon. Old Sheldon. Old Sheldon. Uh, when we go back and see him, like his the whole time in the thirties was confusing to me. Like all of it, I was not in for. See, I I think the worst part is the main storyline. Oh, for sure. In the the Utopian and Brandon and Chloe, all that can go to hell. But when they're in the thirties and his friend is being a fake Great Gatsby. And yeah. he's losing his mind and seeing his dad who killed himself whisper, go to the island. Like all of that, I'm way more on board for. And cause there's so much like, well, propriety society can't know that he lost his mind after watching our father kill himself. Like it's yeah. all kind of interesting. And the guy who has 80,000 hard boiled eggs and has to choose which one he wants that day. Every <laughs> like, single day. He was the part. That was the part that was confusing me. It was, I was trying to figure out what he is. He wakes up and puts on like a wedding tux every day. Like this yeah. character in general is like, I just need to wrap my head around him. He's a rich is he Howard Hughes. It, it's, it's Howard Hughes meets. I do think it's great Gatsby. And we find out that he has been pretending to be rich, that he did lose everything when black Monday hit as well. Mm-hmm. God, I, I'm always worried about, People listening at home, like, what if they didn't watch all these shows in the poll list? And no, it's just so much better to not watch these shows and just yeah. listen to you guys talk about them. <laughs> 80,000 hard-boiled eggs. I didn't have to watch any of this shit, and I get to hear about it, this. It's hilarious because they're, they're all boiled to a different point, and he goes, hmm, I'm feeling number 58 today. And then his friends come over to be like, hey, have you talked to Sheldon? And he'll be like, hmm, she seems like a 72, and you, you're a 39. We don't know why, but that's a diss on Sheldon's brother. <laughs> And he, like the wait staff, nobody's in on the joke, but he tries to get him there, and he's like, so yeah. boiled." And I'm like, "What is it? it? Still means nothing to me." It sounds like he has a little old Ozymandias to him too. Yeah, he uh, he's every rich eccentric douche. Yeah, yeah. Um, like there is, it's not interesting what's going on with the main ones, but uh, Brandon was getting celebrated for killing uh, yeah that one guy, like full on celebrated, which did feel right. But I want to know the moment where the cop like gave him a huge pat on the back and was like hell yeah that's the way you do it which then made us on the wrong side i Did think that's letting the audience know we shouldn't also be rooting for brandon because <laughs> it was like everybody was like hell yeah he needed to kill him and then they brought in this cop who was like yeah put a bullet in all their heads and i was like oh no i felt like garbage yeah they made this show in the last year so they know that we're not as a society pro cops killing people so uh i think they're trying to be like if you thought Brandon was right. Utopian was wrong. Fuck you. Here you go. (laughs) You piece of shit. All right, Mike, we're almost out of time. Do you have a moment of the week? It is the, the, the whole reveal uh, of the, the, the lead of the fuck up groups gang when he's like talking to one of the bald guys. Cause he sent the other one to shark infested water. And he's like, it just is very smooth delivery. He's like, common misconception is that whoever's touching it controls it, but only I do. And he brings it back and it's just like a bloody tentacle left on the thing. It was pretty dope. It's pretty dope. And he just leaves his hand out as he murders multiple people. Charming. So charming as he does it. Uh, my moment of the week is long is along the lines with the egg guy, but it's when um, he's still, his butler is trying to make his life still perfect even after he has no money. And he says he makes him the average of all the eggs he chose when he was there. And it was egg 58. And the look on this dude's face of like, you chose egg 58 and that's what I have to fucking eat right now was beautiful. Oh, uh, I thought it, he was like touched. I took it oh. as like, oh my goodness, my Alfred... <laughs> Just taking care of me even as I can't pay him anymore. Oh, I took it as this piece of shit shows 58 when he knows damn well I'm a 72. But (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jupiter's Legacy is on Netflix. You can watch it whenever. Our next show is Van Helsing. 
On this week's episode of Van Helsing, Violet and Ivory are on the run from Fort Collins with the now vulnerable sisterhood. Violet must risk everything to keep the amulet out of the Dark One's hands. Notice I did not say the name Van, Vanessa or Helsing in that. I guess she is still <laughs> not there. Uh, Taste Buds asking this. Are we even friends, considering we've never been a sisterhood and we don't trade pants? Shouldn't there be at least one pair of pants that we switch off and wear from day to day? I send you guys my pants every week. And I just get them returned. It's just return to sender. Well, you never put a note that, like, it, we got to have instructions. I don't know these are magical pants because there are poop stains in them. So yeah. I'm not going to, yeah. like, also, wear them. Also, Cassie, not, not stains. That's just straight up poop. <laughs> yeah, stains means I try to clean it off. But yeah, it's really just... what I do to get rid of the evidence is I just send you my poop-filled pants. And, Mike, this isn't, your poop isn't magical. Like, your poop isn't going to make it where we all have these amazing experiences. So, like, I think it will. What if that, I didn't read the book of the traveling <laughs> sisterhood, or the sisterhood of the traveling pants. What if that was in the book, but not the movie, is that it was just all their poop in there that <laughs> created magical experiences? <laughs> That's why we all look good in these pants. <laughs> it's in the subtext. Uh, if you want to watch Van Helsing, it's Fridays on Sci-Fi. How could you not? How could you not? It's great. Um, our next show and last show of the week is Batwoman. Woo, guys! Here we go. This week on Batwoman, Batwoman takes on zombies and police brutality. Ryan, Luke, and Sophie get arrested for being black and loud. Messed up snakebite makes sentient zombies of Gothamites, and Alice and Ocean profess their love-hate for each other again. Taste buds, I ask you this. Which had more bite to it, Batwoman's take on zombies or Batwoman's take on cops sucking? Yeah, the take on zombies was... It really hit hard for sure, and we should definitely get to that. It was so bold of them. Yeah, it was just <laughs> just so out there and just uh, you know message forward. But Let's maybe there's other stuff. The way. Let's get out of the way right away. What I did appreciate is that these zombies are kind of like Marvel zombies, where they can think and talk still, but the hunger is so much that they're like, "This is the worst." As they're eating somebody's brains. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are like running up, like, "Oh, I'm sorry, please stop me." <laughs> I'm going to eat your brain. Please run, please. But it is, I'm like, I want to know as our zombie expert, since they they made it where uh, the snake bite formula changed it from uh, changing memories to craving memories, uh-huh. were you into that as to being the reason why they brought in zombies? Sure. If I was like, I want memories, the first thing I'd think is, go make some. Go to Disneyland with friends. Go <laughs> cliff diving. Oh, but no, they're like, I'm So you would just friends. hand them pillows with fucking messages uh, embroidered on them? Pinterest links? <laughs> I will say about I don't I, I'm not sure exactly what was going on here. Um, the one guy in the car, um, with he was about to turn into a zombie. I will speak to uh, drug users. Um, that the guy buys some zombie juice, and it's not what he wanted. He's like, no, this is very much different. You know what? Fuck it, and then just takes yeah. it anyway. He's like, this is not what I thought it was, but I'm gonna do it. I think it was realistic to have the three seconds of like, um, should I? Yes. <laughs> and then I, I liked this guy's like mini arc. He is not a named character, but then he shows up at Mary's clinic and he, he does the whole Monster Squad lock me up. Yep. That was the uh, werewolf from Monster Squad. <laughs> and then he chains himself to her bed and then eats his own hand off so he can go eat some brains. I, I loved every minute of his story. Which in his condition, he wanted to go eat those brains, but he also wanted to eat his own hand. So it's a win-win yeah. for him. Yeah. It's a good day for that guy. <laughs> well, that's all we have time for on Batwoman, right? Is that, <laughs> is that everything that happened? No, it's definitely I, it for the zombies. If, if, if Batwoman, this episode of Batwoman is like, I know for the last season and a half we've said the crows suck. We need you to know we're not just saying this fictional police force sucks. The cops suck. How did they handle it? 
Cassie? I think, honestly, <laughs> like, they've been handling it well this whole time. And this one where they were just like, hey, in case anybody isn't picking up on this, here you go. I think it was handled really well. Like, it was sh- just the right amount of shocking. And, like, straight up from the beginning, when we see all of them get thrown in jail, all of them, like, Sophie, Luke, and uh, Ryan, for can, just... Can almost you paint that? Paint what yeah. actually happens. Yeah, they're throwing. They're having a uh, fundraiser to raise uh, like a to brunch help. fundraiser <laughs> <laughs> at a bar where there's always music and stuff. The cops come in, say they got a noise complaint, and then you know Ryan just like isn't fully backing down from it, not doing anything wrong, just saying like, "Hey, this is like we are doing nothing wrong." And then Luke comes and like tries to like settle everything, and uh, it escalates to just this piece of shit cop saying, "You know what? Let's throw you in jail." When you say it escalates, you mean the cop the escalates cop. it as yes. they do. <laughs> as they are prone to do. He just he looked at his clipboard, he's like, uh, it says brunch, but it seems like a real lunch. And that for some reason <laughs> that makes him real mad. <laughs> well yeah. And then Sophie too, just trying to say, like, you know, I'm sure the footage will back this up, and then he, not realizing she is also a crow, uh yeah. steps to her, this piece of shake up. And there was almost a comedy beat. When there's two characters in jail, and then the third one walks in, and they all look at each other like, yeah, life in Gotham, right? And then the show about people eating their own hands talks about three different black outlooks on how you deal with the cops and what that says about you in life. What the fuck, guys? Was this uh, Simeon level? Yes. What's his name? Yeah, Justin, Justin Simeon. Simeon? Yeah. It, it, and oh yeah because i mean dear white people was always like let's be super funny and now let's hit you in the stomach and, and but also present how like there's no good way like there's right. no way for you to not feel like a sellout or uh overly aggressive or an uncle tom there's no path where you right. can because you're just fucked every way that you try to go about it ryan's stance is always stand up and fight because no matter what you'll do and ryan is right in this no matter what you do luke is like hey i know you think my life was easy because i grew up rich and around white kids but I still get treated like this. So it's just diffusing it. And Sophie, where Ryan's like, you sell it, you're part of it. She's like, I want to be a good role model. And if there's enough of us in it, maybe we can change these institutions. And they do come out of it. There's no strings, but they do come out of it being like, I guess we all learned a little about each other's experiences this week. (laughs) And that'll be the end. Please, credits, please roll as fast as possible. No, because there was another plot where Sophie, it seemed like it was like, he's kind of a dickhead. But they had a professional rivalry. We've seen him the last few episodes. Who's in the crows? Uh, he, she, she walks back in. They can't get a hold of their heroin addicted chief of police. And Sophie's like, "Well, I'm the number two, so I'm in charge." And he's like, "Why don't you wipe the stench of jail off you and take the day off?" And she's like, "I'm in charge. They're still ranking. Listen to me. Uh, all these people who are we think are zombies, we can cure them. We just need to pull them in." And he goes, "Not worth it." And has his like hit squad. Just destroy all these drug addicts. And then later uh, shoots Luke because Luke is trying to talk a carjacker he met in jail and had a moment with out of stealing a car. And even though Luke is in a one of the nicest suits I've ever seen in my life and the guy has a shirt that says, I am really jacking this car. The cop looks at a white guy, looks at a black guy and shoots Luke as Luke says, no, here's my card. And the cop is just, uh, uh, gun. Uh, gun. That's good. He's got a gun. Yeah, and it, of course, had to be this, like, biggest piece of shit one that they had, who, like, I don't know why he was running patrol at that time. Like, this guy is just out here. Like, they really picked a villain with this one cop. And, and they're like, all of them, but this one, for sure. And I could see the argument of, like, all right, CW, uh, 
let's why don't we fucking uh, make this extreme? It's basically exploitation. You know, mm-hmm. cops are the villains. Look at the look on his face. The look on his face isn't that different than the looks on the faces of the cops in the videos we have seen of murdered black dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the face that he had when he murdered, like, all the, like, drug addicts when there was a yeah. cure for him at the time. The same look of just, like, I'm enjoying this. I didn't sign up for this job knowing that I may have to pull my gun. I signed up for this job so that I could. Right. Yeah. Slavering over the thought of pulling my gun one day. The one question I do want to ask you guys is, do you think they're trying to also say, like... What I was kind of confused me was there was that one cop who kind of seemed like their good cop. He was the one who, when the guy was turning into a zombie, had his gun out, but then put it away. Or is it because that guy was white? I'm confused as yeah. to what this guy is. Because all grizzled white cops look the same to me. Sorry, that's just how I see the world. But I do, I'm pretty sure he is the white cop who shut down the brunch that was too loud and black. Okay. So I think I think they were trying to show that he was being nice to the white guy who's saying, I'm dangerous. Okay. But... Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, there's uh, there's white guys running around saying, "I'm a I'm a zombie. Please put me away." And the cops are like, "Oh, what is wrong? Let us help you. Mm-hmm. What is wrong?" Yeah. So they really went off on all that. Um, there is a side plot of Ocean and uh, Kate, or uh, Ocean and Alice, who's Alice is trying to get Kate's memory back. And I just want to see real quick. Ocean took a real turn in this one. And are you getting like real abusive boyfriend vibes from him with the whole like Kate never loved you and I only I can love you? Or what are I, they doing with him? I don't know if it's a turn to say the assassin drug dealer from the Island of Assassins killed. Like if that's a real turn, like that still seems pretty much in what, what you I mean, would do. This is the Arrowverse, right? Like everybody has something like that on their resume. Right. Yeah. That's baseline. So like, <laughs> I just want to know in a relationship how he is. Not with his murder. I don't care about that. <laughs> Anytime somebody says only I understand you, it is a little bit worrisome. Yeah. Um, I want to know, do, we're out of time. So moments of the week. Ryan, I'll start with you. Uh, I am going to give my moment of the week to... I'm gonna, the one thing that we didn't have time for is... Because obviously, right? Like this, this episode tackled a lot. What a, yeah. what a time for me to dive in on this show, guys. Um was a, a mostly fresh way of handling you're going to be Ryan, you're going to be Batwoman. Like you got to pick one, you can't be both. You got to you got to hurt half the people in your life all the time and all the people in your life half the time. Um and then we got that little conversation at the end and I haven't been watching so I'm not sure how great her relationship is going with this like nerdy girl. It's uh, new. Yeah. It's new, but the real relationship of the show is Ryan and Ryan, right? Like that's yes. it's her and her. So her coming to terms with like exactly how to handle this, I thought was done well for something that I have seen 1.2 million times in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike, what about you? I have to, a really quick one is uh, when Ryan's locked up, there's zombies everywhere and the cops finally cave in and turned the bat signal back on. And that made me laugh a lot. Cause the, Again, I do think there's great comedic timing. They smash cut to Ryan looking even more pissed in jail. <laughs> and the cops will be like, where's Batwoman? <laughs> They're all uh, Don Knotts. Yeah, oh, oh, I'm Body Five. Where's Batwoman? Uh, then Sophie telling them she quit the Crows. One is a triumphant moment. She's fully going to be on Team Bat. But her saying, I didn't listen to my sister when, when, when my sister warned me. I didn't listen to when you two warned me about them. I didn't listen to my own gut warned me about. Hey, apathy and ignorance is bigger than me. And it really is this show just being like, we tried to show that maybe people could change from the inside, but now we're e- even as this sh- fantasy show is saying, no, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Real life forced us to not be able to do that. 
uh, my moment of the weeks are all kind of like Sophie. It was just Sophie stepping to that piece of shit cop, like getting right in his face. And then also her, like, it was so heartbreaking to hear her part of like, I really think I can change this. And then realizing she can't. So <laughs> it was just really great performances from her. Uh, that is it for our pull list. Coming up next, it's time for X-Taz. Welcome to X Tasmania, bitch, your mini show within a show where we take an in-depth episode-by-episode look at Fox's seminal, an underrated early morning soap opera from the mid-90s X-Men the Animated Series. On this week's episode of X-Men the Animated Series, we get to explore Rogue's origin story. Mystique and her boys boys decide it's time to kill the X-Men, but with Mystique back in her life, Rogue is able to remember her past, from the kiss with the boy to Mystique taking her in, to how she got her powers. When the episode starts, Mr. Sinister has called Mystique to let her know that Professor X is missing. And here's where we get to meet uh, one of the all-time villains, I would say. Not Mr. Sinister, not Mystique, but I'm going to hang out in an alleyway on a rainy night, Here's a woman with an umbrella. Give me your umbrella. Like this my, is a- my newspaper shield broke. Bitch, give me your umbrella. I was so they made him such a beefy guy, and for him to just like there was a beat of just staring, and then it was like I want that umbrella. And I, he's also like reflecting in his life. He's like thinking, God, don't you're not this much of a piece of shit. Yes, you are. Give me that umbrella. Uh, unlucky for him, she has dragon face. Yeah, is this ever explained? No. Well, it barely <laughs> connects to later dragon faces. She's a shapeshifter. So, dragon face. So, dragon face. Yeah, it's sure. like the third one you would transform into. Is it? I mean, if you were Mystique, would you stand there for a long time thinking, what should I turn into? <laughs> but I guess what doesn't make sense is that dragon face that shows up is the one only Rogue sees later. Uh-huh. It really was a cold open that didn't connect very well to the later of the show. You can't have two characters wear dragon face. Is this... It's fucking TV fact. Uh, I was thinking brood. It didn't look like the brood to you? Brutish. Brutish. I would say the animator just really wanted to showcase his sick-ass alligator that he could draw. <laughs> look at this like, sick-ass oh. alligator with the blonde hair. <laughs> and then, of course, Mr. Sinister says, uh, hello, Mystique. What's her real name? Raven? Raven Darkholm. Raven Simone. Uh, I am a multi-billionaire who has his own island and a castle. And I've called you to this abandoned apartment building in, <laughs> on a rainy night in New York. Well, he did invest in it to break it down to make high rises. So, yeah, but he it does, makes sense. He does tell her that uh, uh, you can go reclaim your daughter, which is a very weird phrase to go <laughs> reclaim your daughter. But adult daughter, <laughs> you know your adult daughter who hasn't seen you in years. Go Pro- reclaim her. Professor X uh, is stuck on an island, and you can go reclaim her now. Which do you guys you- buy that logic of? Professor X is gone. Now it's time to attack the X-Men. I would say Storm is gone. Now it's time <laughs> yeah. to go attack the X-Men. Storm's taking care of her nephew and the Shadow King in Africa. Now's the time to attack the X-Men. Professor X does so little. Yeah. He has and a remote control, and he turns on different news channels. So that's that they know where they should run to. Yeah. Uh, he also is very condescending when he first meets people by just telepathing into their head going, Mutant! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is, you know, that's warm. That's how you really make a connection with somebody. Or dipshit! <laughs> But yes, yeah, so after they go to reclaim, we uh, cut to a farmer's market. The places they chose to have these meetups is really interesting in this one. But we are at a farmer's market, and that's when we get the um, the whole squad, the boys, as they were referred to, referred to earlier, with Pyro Blob, whatever that ice dude is. Avalanche. 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 And I was so excited to see this fucked up team again. Seriously, they yeah. the X-Men are like, oh, man, these Mirror Island people. And I was like, hell yeah, these Mirror <laughs> Island people. They're back, baby. 
they each have a weird specific <laughs> accent that you don't know where it's from. <laughs> Their powers don't make sense. Uh, Blob knocks out Storm with a tub of ice cream, really hitting home his stereotype. Which, okay, look, I know that fat people love ice cream, but nobody is that is going to be that excited when they find out that the ice cream flavor is tutti frutti. I don't even know what that is, but it has got to be the pralines it's, and cream is probably lower than that, and that's it. How you know Blob is a villain. That's <laughs> yeah, so excited for tutti frutti. But it does wipe Storm out. Like He throws it, and it does. Yeah. It, it almost kills it. Yeah, the team showed up pretty good against the X Men on this on this first meeting. But here's what like here's what goes wrong. It's just the wanton hubris. They they finish their job and then they're like, no, I would like to also kill more X Men, and that's when they get defeated. Avalanche turns around and says, uh, no, I want to blow these guys away too with avalanches. <laughs> with avalanches. Um, but yeah, during this fight, we do. This is when Rogue's like repressed memories start to come out. Uh, when that like during this fight she just has flashes of this woman at this time and did you guys immediately know who this was or oh yeah okay 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 the, well, the lady in the black costume you mean lady in the black costume yes yeah. well it's before we see lady in the black costume don't we just see like a blonde in a sweater who yeah, screams you just, stole my life she's just like in a nice coat and everything like she's just yeah. a mom in these flashbacks she's a well, mom on the town i mean a blonde woman in a sweater i thought she was my mom that's what she screamed at me all of the time <laughs> you stole my life ryan and we, we thought that this was gonna be fucked up for rogue anyway because we didn't talk about the previously on but there's two special moments in the previously on one is Gambit forcing 17 different kisses on Rogue. (laughs) (laughs) And then meanwhile, uh, Rogue going to save Cyclops' life, but then feeling terrible and and knowing she's going to have to apologize to Jean Grey because the way that she saved her seems like a kiss. That's X-Men, the animated series view on genders and sex. Yeah. Uh, Guys do whatever they want. Girls who save lives better feel bad. (laughs) It was almost a kiss. How dare you? Uh, but it, it was uh, it was when, almost when, a kiss. so anytime it was almost a kiss. Uh, anytime she sees the bomb lady, she freaks out and she like throws Gambit away. And Wolverine is chopping wood with one claw, <laughs> and she also just tosses him away. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, there's no reason for him to be doing this. Nope. But I do appreciate that she's constantly throwing men, even in a panic state, not knowing what's happening. She'll throw a man. And then she panics. She just flies in circles until she gets fed up and leaves by blasting through every roof and ceiling in the mansion on her way out. Again, my mother. <laughs> well, yeah, eventually during her flight, she ends up at a hospital because this person, this mysterious person, this mom about town, uh, draws her to the hospital. And that's when <laughs> we get like. The mom a- about town says, I'm in the hospital where you put me. And Rogue says to this vision that only she can see, because at this point Storm has tracked her down. It's like, who are you talking to? Uh, she says, then I'm going to come down and shut you up. Yes, Which is dude. Not, if somebody's hospitalized, I don't know if you're the hero. This is, that. wait, where are you? Hold on. Oh, you're injured in the hospital? Well, then I'm going to come down there and kick the living shit out of you. <laughs> Hope you're on life support, because then it's real easy. <laughs> you're trying to make me feel bad for my own actions? Oh, I'll kill you. <laughs> Wait, oh, you're in the middle of surgery? Get ready for double surgery. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's during this uh, meetup with this lady that her unconscious, the uh, her memories get restored. And that's when we find out that like how she got her powers and that this is Miss Marvel herself. Yeah, I was going to say, did Rogue spend a lot of time uh, stealing French cheese? Because this new character seemed a little Brie Larceny. He was really proud of that one. Just give him a second, everyone. What do you mean proud? <laughs> I'm equally proud of all my babies. 
I I liked this one. <laughs> it's a rare mic approved. Well, it's big. Um, but yeah, then we get Miss Marvel trying to like take over her, like trying to take over the body in general, which this doesn't seem like it could happen, but I'm into this X-Men thing of like Here's this new person. Let me take over. Her okay, body. Cassie. So you're <laughs> fine with an Aussie who can control fire. Yes. A guy who's fat, so nobody can kill him. Love that. But it's when a woman who's been in a coma because her memories and powers got stolen, she's taking over the body of that person. That's where you're drawing that's, your line. That's the line for me. Uh, I think it's all fucking explained very easily when uh, Rogue's like, "All right, fine. I'll grab onto this pilot. Uh, oh, I need to let go." And Mystique's like, "Nope, longer." Uh, okay, longer, longer. Oh, now I've stolen the powers and the mind. <laughs> Rogue didn't look that young. And she says, why did I have to hold on, Mama? It felt bad. You have your own agency, Rogue. You could have let go at any point. If you've got any amount of gray hair, whether it's a streak <laughs> or a full head, then you have your own agency. Uh, I, I don't think, and I don't know if the cartoon will dig into it more, but like throughout his career, Professor X uh, is his way of dealing with trauma is bury it, which I think we've learned is you definitely don't do that. He says to Rogue, for or in order for you to heal, you have to forget. And that is the worst possible thing. This, How many times, X, does this have to blow up in your face to Come stop on. doing this to young women? X, yeah, it's, it's putting heroes on credit. Like, I need heroes now, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to force you to yeah. be a hero. Uh, taking the risk of you will be a villain later because the volcano of... Uh, trauma that you've been through is about, is going to bubble up at some point. And instead of just sending you to therapy with my millions, I'm going to erase your memory. Okay, but uh, who of us has not had a fa- or a parental figure in our lives that has done that exact same thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also don't know how I feel. So Gene uses Cerebro to get in there. Finally, Gene's allowed to do something cool. Uh, and they're fighting, and Rogue says, sorry to mind Carol. And, she, and Carol says, sorry, doesn't give me my life back. So Gene and Rogue put Carol in mind prison. Like, it really is. They're yeah. like, oh, you're a victim? We'll show you how much of a victim I know. you are, you bitch. <laughs> but the thing it reminded me of is, like, major corporations paying out sexual assault victims. Uh-huh. You know, it's just easier to put them, like, to, like, shut them up and lock them in cages than it is to, like, deal with the fact that it happened so as to not make it happen again. Is this? I don't yeah. know if this is, like, what they intended, to show that Rogue no. is basically Harvey Weinstein, but that's what it felt like. And it's like, I don't, again, I don't know if we ever find out in the cartoon that this is done to Gene, but she's, it, it does feel like Gene's like, well, somebody did it to me. I'll do it to somebody else. Absolutely. Let's just keep the cycle going. It's so intense the way they do it, too, because it's not just a cage. It's like a steel in case. Like, it's a cage, and then they coat it in, like, intense steel, and then they're like... Don't even look out this cage. Yeah, you, your life is hell here now. But, I mean, can't you I mean, can't you see that if Professor X is the uh, Epstein mm-hmm. of this all, that Jean Grey is the, what's her name, Maxine Glacelle? Like, the one... Yeah. The woman who comes up and says, don't worry about it, because I'm a woman, so... Right. And, but, like, is it, like, oh, making it all happen? It's disturbing. <laughs> The way it always matches up is the worst. <laughs> and we, we get a classic abuse tactics uh, in a very oceanic way related to Batwoman. Mystique says, only I can help you, Rogue. Only I ever could. How could you do this to me? Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This is all fucking cult shit. This is all grooming. And then what happens when you run away from grooming? And then we know things are good because Rogue is now wearing a halter top, mm-hmm. even though she, she doesn't <laughs> control her powers. And Gambit whistles at Rogue in her halter top because that's how you know victims of trauma are okay now. They're fine with Ask, harassment. Yeah, like just had a traumatizing moment. It was like, you dressing up for me? Like, what the hell? <laughs> you piece oh. of shit. 
but I no. get why nerds from our <laughs> yeah. generation are the way they are. Fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she. It turns out she was dressing up to go visit Miss Marvel or Carol or Mom about town in the hospital. And uh, in this moment, did she give her her powers back? I was confused on this ending. I don't it think so. I think the ending is like you're fucked up for life, bro. <laughs> Peace yeah. out, but it, I'll and, visit and you. Coma Carol smiles because <laughs> she says her name was Carol. We were very close. <laughs> and then just walks and she out. says it in a way like she waggles her eyebrows a little at the nurse, like like. <laughs> <laughs> and the nurse is just like, "All right, it's the '90s. Do what you want." Well, I mean, the nurse sort of brings that on because the nurse is like, "Who the fuck are you? She has never had visitors before." Nobody. Well, they don't even know her name. They call her Jane Doe. Uh, and so Rogue is like, her name is Kara Danvers. We were very close. Goodbye. No other details. <laughs> yeah. I'm proud of this person. Somebody needs to pay for... Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole lot of issues, but no. Nope, Can you fill out this paperwork? <laughs> that is the end of our episode, which then means, of course, it's time for us to get to our awards. I'm going to start this off with most 90s thing. Ryan, what do you have for uh, it? It's got to be. I, I think that her name was actually Warbird at this time and not Captain Marvel, but it's got to be Carol's costume. Uh, black and uh, showing a lot of skin. Like yeah, uh, it is just a sexy one piece bathing suit. Yeah, and there's there's a point where and a sash. Rogue and Carol like slam into each other and then fall to the ground, and they're all fighting. And there's butts going everywhere, and then uh, they land on the ground, and Rogue pushes Danvers like coma's body to offer, and then it's just her butt. You just see your butt. You just see <laughs> Mrs. Boring. Marbles. The animators, their favorite move oh, every time. Uh, Mike, what do you got for it? There's something just so 90s about comas to me. Everybody <laughs> in every show is falling into a coma, falling out of the coma. While You Were Sleeping was a great rom-com about comas. Uh, just that whole plot line. That, the 90s had every color of coma. It was almost like a coma chameleon. There you go. There's your support. Just the song. That Mike will always be there. That counts as support. That's support. <laughs> uh, for most 90s thing, I just have, along the lines of the writers being horny, it was how they ha- are even horny about dropping, drawing Wolverine, and he was shirtless chopping oh, yeah. wood. Like, this was the intro to a porno. Like, there was this <laughs> side plot here was wild. Uh, but Mike... I don't know. I can't back up that comas were only in the 90s, but I'm going to give it to you. What the fuck? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, our next award, best gasp line. Mike, what do you got? Uh, Sinister telling Mystique that Xavier is gone so she could go in and fuck the X-Men up and then doing the longest laugh that's ever been done in animated television history. It's one laugh for each blade of his cape. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, Mystique just backs away as he's laughing. That's the transfer. Uh, Ryan, what about you? Gasp line is... Rogue flying away and saying, uh, her name is Carol Danvers, bye. <laughs> and then Carol Danvers smiles. Maybe she isn't as fucked up. Yeah, it was a confusing moment, which is 100% <laughs> like just gasping, trying to grasp. Huh? Like, is that a gasp? It was a gasp grasp. <laughs> it was the Tim Allen gasp. Um, <laughs> for oh. best gasp line, I just have Blob yelling out Tutti Fruity because I was insulted that somebody would love Tutti Fruity at the level that it was the most amount of joy I've seen in a man ever. If you're going to scream Tutti Frutti like that, then say all the Rudy afterwards. Yeah. And then you sing the entire song. better be on the piano. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Find a piano and slam on it. Um, Ryan, I am going to give it to you, though, because it was just a confusing moment. I feel like it's more appropriate. Um, our next award, Best Use of Power. Ryan, what do you got? Uh, I did want to talk to you guys. This is not my answer, but I want to talk to you guys about Pyro's Fire Cat. Um, he has, I don't even know how he's a mutant because he just seems like he has a fucking blowtorch and lights things on fire. He can't make fire, but he can control fire. 
And so what he does is he controls it into a giant cat that runes around and like yeah. slaps on cars He's and things. He's the fire lantern. <laughs> okay, I guess that makes sense. Uh, that was my power for so long until at the end, my power is Mystique's power of leadership. Because when she's training Rogue, she's like, Rogue, test out your powers on these fucking idiots. And she just <laughs> runs over to Pyro and Avalanche. They're like, ow, this is awful. And Mystique's like, yeah, you're doing it. <laughs> what a good mother that is. Those are powers. Way to go. All right, Mike, what about you? Uh, mine is uh, part of Pyro's power, but when Rogue steals his power, she makes the most cute, floppy-eared puppy dog made of fire <laughs> that just like yips around her feet when she steals his fire-controlling power. And I was like, oh, you don't have to just make lines that destroy things. You can make cute little fire pets. <laughs> it is adorable. Um, best use of power, I have Blob just using the power of ice cream to knock yeah. out Storm. <laughs> it really is a powerful <laughs> moment in this episode. <laughs> like, he went after Storm. They let him take out Storm with ice cream. It's and insane. And he did. And he did. Um, I'm going to give that, it's not the best one, but it is the most wild one. So I'm going to give that point to me of ice cream power. Uh, our next award, LVP. Mike, what do you got for it? Mine is Blob, and it's it's about the most talked about What the about fuck? Moment. It's, uh, he's oh boy tutti frutti but then he grabs if you zoom in it's he eats vanilla so not only is he excited about the worst ice Did cream you fucking zapruder this episode i zapruded it he yells tutti frutti and eats the wrong flavor he's excited about you fucking chud i think that makes him a hero but <laughs> yeah that's some mvp it. level shit right there <laughs> You are not playing this correctly. Uh, Ryan, what do you got for LVP? I can't believe I'm going to say it, Cassie, but I'm going to say it. First time in ex-Tasmania history, maybe. It's Storm. Uh, gets knocked out by a fucking canister of what I'm now finding out to be vanilla, but I thought was tutti frutti. Uh, but then later on in the episode, she lands on a rooftop and Blob fucking flicks her in the face and she almost yeah. dies. It's Storm does shit. It, it, the, we've learned the only weakness Storm has is claustrophobia. The ice cream should have at least gone on top of her head and had her have a panic attack. Like she's some sort of DJ ice cream bucket head? <laughs> yes. Coming for what if she throat. just started spinning records immediately? <laughs> records. Um, for LVP, I do feel like it's got It's probably got to be Storm, but I have ice. The Whoever the ice dude is, we said his name, Avalanche. 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 He does not have an ice power, but yeah. <laughs> <it's> yeah. Avalanche. <laughs> And he literally, like, the whole time it was just him crying about getting revenge and getting knocked out constantly. Like, every time <laughs> of the fight, he was the first one out. It was unreal. Uh, but I am going to give that one to Mike. Just because right. <laughs> I have stopped taking points, but I remember. You definitely remember what I said. <laughs> yeah. I just also, a lot going on in my mind here. MVP is what I'm going to focus on right now. So, Ryan, what do you got for that? Wait, Mike, who was your LVP? Blob, Blob for tutti okay. frutti to vanilla. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for tutti frutti to vanilla. Blob is the LVP. Uh, my MVP, I guess. I mean, it has to be rogue, right? Like, it's hard to not pick her, but I do think that she put up with a lot of weird, sexy things in the X Men world. Sex Men, if you will. Uh, sex Sex Men, the animated series, if you will. Um, but uh, she was the one. She rogue is like. Basically, number one and number two in MVP for a lot of these shows. If it wasn't for Storm, then she would yeah. probably have the most trophies. And here we get to find out a lot about her. And I thought it was at least far more interesting than Gambit's backstory about uh, guilds. and The guild versus assassins. Yeah, the thieves <laughs> yeah. and guilds and assassins. 
Yeah, she did have the best one so far. Uh, Mike, what do you got for MVP? Yeah, it, it, it's Rogue for all those reasons. Every time I was like, okay, well, at least I'll say this part, Ryan then also said that. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's Rogue. And if I can't say Rogue, it's Cyclops for also deciding he should get to wear a leather jacket in a fight. <laughs> also, did we talk about Rogue's dad and what she had to deal with? Mm-mm. Oh, no. Did we, who? If you guys had to pick, who do you think Rogue's dad voted for? In the last presidential election. We, we all know, Ryan. We know. we know. With his flag hat and his cigarettes rolled up in his sleeve. Tucked in shirt. <laughs> yeah, we, we know, Ryan. Uh, for MVP, I now feel like a monster for it, but I did have Jean just because she was able actually able to help. But like, <laughs> it was she was able to do something and I was excited for her then. But uh, I realized we're both the monsters here. So I'm going to give that point to both Mike and Ryan because you guys have the right ones. Uh, that makes these point totals. Uh, I got one point. Go me. Ryan, you got two. Mike sweeping it with three. What's up? Um, and that is it for X-Taz. Coming up next, we get to hear that good interview that Mike had with Duel of the Fates, Toy Box. Welcome to the crossover, Crisis in a Galaxy Far, Far Away, the segment where we introduce you to other podcaster types doing cool things in the wide world of nerddom. Today's guest is Lou Graziani, comic book artist, illustrator, marketer, Star Wars nerd, and the mind behind Duel of the Fates Toy Box Edition. Welcome, Lou. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So, Duel of the Fates Toy Box Edition, for our new fans who are getting to know you right now, is a, a pandemic, I assume a pandemic endeavor. Definitely. You took Colin Trevorrow's uh, Duel of the Fates script and started filming it with hundreds of Star Wars action figures? That's probably accurate, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, tell when when did you decide to start doing this? How did how did it come about? Okay, well, when I first heard about this script, it was in January of 2020, right after it had been leaked. And as I read through the thing, I thought it was just really neat. But rather than reading it like a script, it seemed like it'd be more fun to act it out. So I recruited my wife and kids and gave everybody the parts and pulled out some action figures so I could be, you know, doot, 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 here's Han Solo, boop, 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 here's Chewbacca. And it was just hilarious. We were having a really good time with it. And But, you know, this is a full-length movie script. That took a lot of uh, time and effort. And uh, after that, I kind of thought it'd be more fun to share this with more people. So I said, what if I made this into a bigger production, either a podcast or a, an animation? And I really wanted to animate it. Mm-hmm. Um and so then that led me to getting together a group of actors to act it all out, which we did last summer. And since it was during the pandemic, a lot of these actors weren't that busy and were happy to be part of it. Um, and then that kind of laid the groundwork of now I've got the audio in place. And then I was able to go back and film all of it. But as you imagine, a Star Wars movie, there's lots of details, lots of locations, lots of special effects. So pretty much every shot I had to figure out, how do I do that? Yeah. Is is this the first project like this that you you've taken? I know I know you're in general a visual designer, mm-hmm. uh, but have you done this kind of like either toy based or filming? Um, I've been a toy fan forever, and I like movies, but I don't usually make toys about movies ever. That's not something I'm. You know, when I was a kid, I did some stop motion things. Sure. You know, uh, but since then, you know, in the past twenty years, no. Um, and so this was sort of like outside my comfort zone, which would made it exciting because I could have just drawn this as a comic book, but I was like, no, this, this seems like it needs to be a movie. It's, this is a movie script. And as I read it, I could picture some of these scenes in my head. I was like, Oh, that's going to be cool. But is it going to be cool if I do it? I don't know. 
<laughs> and yeah, I, I think it's it's so I think it's very cool having watched some of it and it's tactile. You you're creating the sets that are like cardboard and drawing mm-hmm. on those, and so you're building the ships. And and right now it seems like each chapter is about twelve minutes. So that's right. There's three chapters out there. How many total are there going to be? I think there's going to be nine. Uh, okay. Originally, I didn't know, but as I started working on it, I got a better sense of that. And so each one covers a roughly 15 pages of the script. But uh, most scripts, um, they say, are about a minute of action per you know, per page of script. Right. And, and yeah. how long does each chapter take you to start to finish? So you have all the audio from last summer when you did it with those actors. So how long does it take to like now film and edit and... Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. I would say at minimum, like dozens of hours. Cause sometimes, you know, you can film a scene and the, the whole scene might only be a few seconds long in the end, but that means you need to have characters and toys and monsters. And, you know, they could be on a different planet every time. And then, okay, well, how am I going to represent this or that planet? Uh, so I had to film at my local reservoir, you know, in, a, in the water and I filmed in the snow I filmed on top of a mountain in North Carolina. And, you know, each of these, because I knew I needed that scene at some point in the story. I didn't right. film them in order. Yeah. yeah. So and, like a like a real movie, you, where well, your location, where you are. So you didn't go to North Carolina to film No, it, no, no. You? I was just already there. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> you're, you're Ohio-based, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. I, mean, that's I, don't know. I was just already in North Carolina in the mountains. And I was like, you know, Kyler Ren's going to be on a mountain. I'll slip in my pocket and take him with me. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and so how has collaborating with uh, family been on this? A positive experience or it, because of the, the quarantine, you're like, oh, we're already around each other too much? We're around each other a lot, but it can be fun at times and it can be taxing at times. Uh, as I was editing all my video, then I get to hear all the audio of people talking in the background about whatever they were doing that day, you know, maybe six months ago. And it's like, Yep, it's still pretty much the same because we're still at home. It's still quarantine. It's just a different time of year or whatever. I'm sure I got in their way or got annoying with all of my pieces of cardboard all over the place or the garage full of, you know, a little city or all kinds of silly stuff. But they've all been helpful, all of them at times. Uh, My wife made some curtains for one of the scenes. Uh, My kids have both played different roles and helped me puppeteer things and read scripts. Uh, so at times it's been a family affair and at times it's just me sitting in the corner editing away. Nice. And, and so I'm fascinated by that. Are you, are you literally taking that script or have you had a change and kind of make your own script based on that? Like, are you adding in stage directions for yourself or what's that actual like nitty gritty technical nerdy process for that? Okay. That's a good question. Um, I try to t- stay as close to the actual script as possible. Cause I don't want this to be like my take on it. I want this to be like, this is what the movie would be like if they made this script, which mm-hmm. at times that you can't do that because there's a problem. Uh, this, the first problem I ran into was action figures. Don't do everything right. They have no <laughs> facial features. And uh, when you're dealing with small props, how do I hand, have somebody who's supposed to be holding a coin or a ring so for a couple of scenes, I had to use actual people's hands with something like a prop I made in them so that the story would make sense. Yeah. And uh, other times, you know, action figures are perfect. They're, they're super easy. To, you can blast them all over the room and knock them over and they don't care. So it, it all depends on what the scene needs. What, what has been the most difficult thing to film so far? Almost every part has been difficult in one way or another based either on my uh, – emerging ability to film things, my lack of skill at 
getting it in focus. Or mm-hmm. on the other hand, you know, maybe my filming is great, but I couldn't get the action figures to do what I wanted them to do. Sometimes I do multiple takes, you know, knock this thing over, knock this thing over, knock this thing over till finally you get it the way you want it to go. And um, if there's some big actions uh, near the end, here's an example. The Millennium Falcon has to crash through some AT-ATs. So I have a big Millennium Falcon toy and some AT-AT toys. But every time I wanted to redo that, I had to reset all that up. Right. And then you're like, oh, was it out of picture? You know, or you know, these are these are problems that people who film real movies have, but they're not doing it in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> are you so so like the first three chapters are out and I'm sorry, what chapter you're working on the next three uh, right now? Well, OK, I have a guy who does the music for me. I am not a composer and this guy is able to arrange it so that it's, you know, vaguely like a instrumental Star Wars track so that the music matches the different scenes of the story. And he's been great at helping me, um, and uh, I'll have to give you his information later. Uh, but he, um, so I send him the finished chapter, then he'll send me the music, and then I'll put it all together and post it when it's done. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And are you? Do you find each chapter getting quicker? Like, are you getting faster at making them? I definitely have gotten quicker, and the, um, you didn't really know how to use Adobe Premiere very well, which is like a video editing software. I've done it. I had done it before, but not to this level. But for this, you know, you need to be able to do all sorts of fancy effects to make lightsabers and hyperspace and every other thing, which is a fun challenge. But also suddenly at first I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. And then as you go through it, you figure it out and, you know, come up with answers. Do you think when, when, when this is done and, and all of out in the world, will you be like, all right, I already know what my next toy box edition is going to be. Are you going to take a break from doing movie length toy based shows. Definitely taking a break from it. Yeah. Uh, this has been uh, over a year so far. It's like the length of making a real movie. Of course, I'm not doing this full time. Like I'm, you know, somebody in the movie industry would be, but it has led me to do more um, movies and films with our marketing business, you know, promotional movies for different types of clients. And I've gotten better at quicker at making those too. So there's a real world application out there to, to a degree. It's always nice when hobbies can start informing the stuff that pays, right? Totally, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not expecting this to uh, go there. But what the final pres- product here might be is uh, we'll do an airing locally of the entire movie with some of them, my friends and people who helped me build it. So I'll put all the f- chapters together into one you know, final movie when it's over. And, and now, so I can't even remember what the one that came out is called. The last Star Wars movie that came out. Rise uh, of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Thank you. Uh, now I'm assuming you're intimately familiar with the Duel of the Fates script. What do you prefer? The Rise of Skywalker or do you wish oh, they made Duel of the Fates? Uh, I definitely wish they made Duel of the Fates. And I think that's kind of what got me interested in the first place is um, I didn't know anything about this script uh, originally. And I'd read some things about Rise of Skywalker. And like all the other Star Wars movies, I was excited to see it. And then it was the first time I'd ever seen a Star Wars movie. And I left like really disappointed. And yeah. Um, there's been a lot of people online talking about the good or the bad of that script. And, you know, I could, you know, be posting things on some website. Oh, this stinks or I hate the director, but there's no point in that. That's not very constructive or fun. So it's like, well, can you do better? Well, in a way, in a way not, but you know, uh, and so when I found this script and read it, I was like, wow, this answers half the questions that that thing left unresolved. So there must have been some behind-the-scenes 
Hollywood something going on that made it so that this script wasn't the one they used. Do you think it is it just worth a read? Or would you like, no, no, oh. no, wait, and then watch all the toy box editions? <laughs> that, that, that's what the marketer in me should say. No, 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 just wait. Uh, <laughs> part of the reason I wanted to make it anyway is because I knew a lot of people don't like reading scripts. I know a lot right. of people who are as big or bigger Star Wars fans than I am who are like, ah, reading a script, I don't know. But I was like, well, if you want to watch the movie version, even if it's the sort of like an animated uh, animatic, you know, with silly yeah. effects, that's not really like watching the movie, but it's it's something. It's kind of fun. And, um, you know, normally when I would make up a story, it'd be me writing the story. So this is me adapting someone else's story, which is sort of flexing different muscles, you know, creatively. Yeah. And in, in your general nerd background, has it always been Star Wars? Are there other stuff into you? Have you... Is stop motion a thing you were into as a kid? Uh, when I was a kid, I stopped motion to my Transformers. So, you know, you could put, put one and inter- move them a little bit and turn them into a little robot. And so as a high school art project, my brother and I took a bunch of Transformers in our basement in a train set and made a whole little movie with that. I, I wish I still had a copy of that. So this is like getting back to the roots. It, to a degree. Yeah. I mean, even then in high school, that was, we knew it was kind of silly, but yeah. the silliness is sort of what I wanted to lean into with this. I mean, I could have probably tried to make this more like a real movie, but the point was to everybody knows these are action figures. No one knows, thinks that this is real. If, right. if I'd wanted to do that, I would have hired live action people or something. This wasn't the goal. The goal was to see what a movie I could make with virtually no budget. Yeah. All right, Lou, I think it is time for the speed round. And just so you and and new listeners know how this works is I'm going to start with a question from our last guest or one of our former guests, do a handful of questions that boom, boom, boom. And then the very last question, you have to come up with a question for a future guest that we don't know who it is yet. Okay. Okay. So this is a question from David Brody of the Brooklyn boys and walkers and talkers podcasts. And he asks, if you had to give up one or the other movie genre, would it be sci-fi or porn? Porn. Okay. That's a good speed round. First nerd thing you bought with your own money? Probably a comic book. Well, just guessing, I, we're not supposed to slow down speed round. I'm guessing you're a TMNT guy. Oh, yeah, totally. Based on Cyborg. Yeah, but that was like my 150th comic, not my first comic, you know. Gotcha. What, what were you growing up? What was your? I love G.I. Joe. I read all those comics. My brother read the Transformers comics. So we're all about these weird toy tie-in things. And, yeah. uh, you know, and as I got older, I like Savage Dragon and lots of the Image comics. And, of course, oh, yeah. the X-Men and uh, Batman and, you know, a lot of the other things that are popular, too. Sure. First fictional crush and current fictional crush. Mm, first one maybe would be, I could say, Scarlet from G.I. Joe. Current, though... That the who's the girl on the, uh, the the chess show about the Queen's Gambit? She was something. Oh yeah, yeah. She she she's stunning. Mm-hmm. Which fictional character do you think you could make into a cake? The first thing that comes to mind is somebody made a really neat Optimus Prime cake that can automatically transform him into a robot, but it's a cake. That's. I'm wild. not saying I could do that. But I'd want to <laughs> try. Yeah. Right, next question. If you could change any TV show by making the lead character a baby, but the plot still stays the same, what character would you change? It'd have to be a really silly show. But like, let's say you did it with something that it completely didn't make sense, like The Witcher, and you'd be like, what? But that, that'd be great, right? It's a little long-haired baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> Last truly great thing you watched. 
Well, we really loved the Mitchells and the Machines on Netflix. Uh, it was a movie uh, about a family taking their daughter to college and then a robot apocalypse. And it was by the people who made the Spider-Verse, I mean, sorry, Into the Spider-Verse uh, movie yeah, yeah. and uh, the Lego movie, to both of which I really loved. Uh, it, it's totally worth watching if you like that kind of stuff. It was great. Yeah, I, I've heard nothing but good things about that. It's amazing. And this, I'm, I was so excited about this question and you because this stumps everybody, but I think it will not stump you. Favorite visual artist? Hmm. That, that, that's like choosing among your children. You can't just have one artist. Oh, like. well, one of my persistent favorites is Mike Mignola, the, the Hellboy yeah. guy. Uh, I never get tired of looking at his stuff, and I wish I could draw half like that. It, you don't want it's to see so me stylized. try. It's, it's, it's just beautiful. such a unique he, he's, yeah. he's great, yeah. And he seems like a really interesting guy, too. And finally, a question for the next guest. If you had to invent a new Star Wars droid, what would it be and why? I love it. I love it. It's on brand. It's, <laughs> it's that, it's the theme. Yeah. Yeah. Lou, uh, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on the Superior Show show. Before I actually let you go, let's do those plugs. Where can people find you? What do you want them to check out? Well, my, um, you can check out the Star Wars thing, the uh, Duel of Fates Toy Box Edition on YouTube. And um, if you search, just like I said, Duel of the Fates Toy Box Edition, you should be able to find it. My comics are available through cyborg.com, C-Y-B-O-A-R. And in the link, I can give you more details if you want to actually buy some of them. In general, we do marketing for anything and make websites. So graziani-multimedia.com. Check that out, too. Nice. I like the, the professional plug there. <laughs> hey, it's all it's all fun. You know, it's all visual and interesting. And uh, that keeps me from being a dull boy. Yeah. All right, Lou. Take care. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. We are back from the interview back in your pop filter studio. Mike, lovely, lovely time. Thank you. I had a great time talking with Lou. And if you want to hear more from him and our conversation, go over to Patreon because there's an even longer interview. Got to check that one out. Oh, and while you're telling us about some websites, can you give us the other websites? Oh, sure. So I'll say the actual website there. It's patreon.com slash your pop filter. Get that long interview, longer versions of most of our interviews, a whole bunch of extra content. Then go over to yourpopfilter.com to put everything else we put out. Uh, and then yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon is how you shop now. Deal with it. <laughs> and you must do it. You signed the contract. Uh, Ryan, can you tell us about the other shows? The other shows that Pop Filter is responsible for. First of all, this is Superhero Show Show. So make sure if you're listening to this, you've already subscribed, rated, and reviewed. Ratings and reviews is how we make our money. And by money, I mean ego points. So thank you for that. Uh, we are also uh, responsible for Movie of the Year, the only show on the internet that has the science and the screaming to discuss what is the single greatest movie of any given year. Coming up soon, in a couple of weeks, is 1975, folks. We're all excited here. Throwback. The studio is all abuzz about 1975 coming up. We're all wearing afros and bell bottoms, and we're all wearing disco balls, and we're all wearing hula hoops and hula skirts and Lay's potato chips on our belt. It's 1975 coming up. While you're rating and reviewing and subscribing, uh, look for Unnatural 20s. Where Cassie and her non-Mike, that's McKenna, and her non-Ryan, that's Caitlin, uh, walk us through their 20s with just a roll of the dice and a slip of the finger. <laughs> that's all we do. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, Mike, can you tell us about social media? 
at your pop filter on Twitter, on Instagram. Hit us up there. Let us know what you think Ryan meant by <laughs> in a slip of a finger. <laughs> Tweet us at your pop filter. It's like I meant to point, but I I use my middle finger. <laughs> what, what do you? Well, that's what Ryan's claiming he means. What do you think? No, th- what I mean is what I mean. You can't change <laughs> what I mean. If you think uh, Ryan's a lying piece of shit, you can also email us. It's contact at your pop filter. Subject line, uh, Ryan is a liar. Uh, next week, we got a big episode. Ryan will continue to lie. We also got Black Lightning <laughs> series finale. Mike's going to catch us up on everything happening there. And the premiere of MODOK. It's finally time for that. We are here. Um, that is it for this week, though. For Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I'm Mike. For me, I am Mia. Bye, everyone. Bye.